Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Better, better, better. And we are entering the banter segment. <laughs> and welcome back. Good to have you again. Seize the GM. Yes, good to have you again here on Seize the GM. Obviously, we're kind of getting back into the rhythm of speaking because we keep speaking over each other. Zen. Hey. Um, yes. I'm good at that, though. This is true. You are quite good at it. Well, so, what have you guys been up to lately? Surviving. <laughs> Writing, creating, world building, looking at all kind of new system stuff, and trying to figure out what to run and read about next. Ooh, I have some ideas, but we can talk about that later. Ooh, sounds good. <laughs> So, uh, Colonel Montier, what have you been up to? Oh, the usual kind of working too much, but also exercising, trying to eat right, being, you know, living my best life, uh, working on some, some fun projects in the gaming and geeky sphere that will come to light eventually. <laughs> nice. Enigmatic and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I have been, um, I, I, my dog has heard the last set of heartworm shots tomorrow. She had her next to the last one today. And so that's a fun thing to deal with. Let me tell you. That sounds, that sounds like a great time, oh, he said yeah. sarcastically. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not very fun. Um, she's pretty much laying and not moving, and not really looking at us, because she was so stressed out. So, we have another day of that. So, fun time. I am sure you will handle it magnificently. Oh, sure, sure. That's what I can tell myself. It'll be fine. But we are still, you know, we're we're entering the late summer. Let's say we're still, you know, hitting... 95s, 96s. So any of you listening to us in the North who are able to wear your tweed, who are enjoying the idea of chilly mornings and the shift in the seasons, bah humbug. <laughs> I agree, man. I miss, I miss those. I, I miss being able to wear like a long sleeve t-shirt. I'm looking at, you know, that two more months before we get there? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Two more months? Ooh. Eh. I was going to say, mine, mine will meet maybe 
then, but it'll probably end up being like fifth summer. For me, they do that. <laughs> I mean, it is Florida, so. Well, yeah, Tennessee's almost as bad. I mean, the mountains seem to catch things in weird ways. Like they'll end up with like, I mean, I wore no, 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 no. Leave it there. Leave it. Leave the story there, because that just sounds like a nice, creepy opening to a horror game. (laughs) The mountain catches things in weird ways. Yes, it does. I mean, the other option is that its attempt that Nash Vegas's attempt to imitate Las Vegas is just taking it one step too far. Well, (laughs) yeah. It's all right. We love you, Nashville. I have every intention of visiting you sometime soon. I do. (laughs) But that's just me That's because you are a grumpy old villain I I could be a grumpy old villain I I have the right backstory for a grumpy old villain But speaking of grumpy old villains and good backstories What are we going to talk about this time? Um, a type of sandwich. A, a super type of sandwich. A super type of sandwich. Yeah, one that comes with many different names. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, as we, or as we shall call it the rest of this episode, superheroes, folks. <laughs> I hear heroes. this journey they go on. <laughs> I, I was going to keep going with you know, heroes, hoagies, grinders. We could do this all day. <laughs> I know we could. Mm-hmm. When Noel so, and I are on the same page, it's dangerous. I know. <laughs> Superheroes are one of the great and endearing kind of methods of storytelling. Uh, they're kind of modern mythology in, in a lot of ways. And between Marvel Comics movies and kind of the DC Comics Arrowverse shows, we've seen a real resurgence of what was once a niche geek culture to mainstream. And as a particular style of usually modern games, we thought it's about time we, we started tackling superheroes. And we're going to kind of look at, at some of the big points, some of the larger issues to think about in setting up your superheroic campaign. Now, one thing this is not going to do, we're not going to dissect the different superhero role-playing systems that are out there. No. That's a different show. That is a much different show. We had talked about it's come up before. before. You should go back. We actually talk about some of the different systems for running super games. You should go back. You should find it. The first person to comment in the Discord about the previous episodes where we've discussed superhero games gets a prize. Maybe a Cupidol. Maybe. like one month free patron access, something. We'll figure it out. But there's a prize for all of you competitive types out there to be the first to reach us on Discord to tell us what the previous episodes we talked about superheroes are. And go. <laughs> Get on that. So, some of the big things to, like, uh, I mean, I read a lot of comics. Especially right now, I have been I've been reading tons of comics for the last couple of years now, and I read across 
everything from not just like the Marvel and DC stuff, but also a lot of the independent stuff that is pretty out there. And I'll be honest, generally speaking, I'm either a Marvel fan or I'm one of the independent fans. Because the stories that they tell are different than, like, each each kind of thing has their own type of stories that they tackle. Unless something really massive happens in the real world. Well, I think that goes into some of what we're going to talk about. Uh, the power level that you want in your game is going to dictate a lot of what goes on in it. Street-level superheroes don't generally get involved with earth-shattering or reality-bending opponents. You don't see characters like Moon Knight taking on Thanos. No. no. It, and it creates <laughs> a different feel. And, and, and vice versa... You, when you've got supers like, you know, Superman and Martian Manhunter and Wonder Woman, bank robberies are usually not the actual meat of any adventure. Maybe it's the framing device for the rest of it. But where you want that balance to fall is going to depend a lot on where you want that power level to be. And so that's one of the first things you really ought to think about. Now, I originally, growing up, was definitely mired in Marvel mayhem. It was uh, marvelous. I've more often found myself enjoying DC as I got older. Uh, the the nature of that just slight shift in power is an interesting tale. And DC at its best, its characters in the world tell generational stories and these kind of iterative stories that Marvel is only just now beginning to kind of get a hold of. Yeah. And I like this. But, Noel, what's your opinion on power levels in superheroic games? What do you like? Oh, that's such a deep question because it really depends on what we're kind of aiming at in the story. And it's like you said, if you're running a straight-level game that's based heavily on kind of noir detective work or, you know, spy thrilling thrillers or, you know, these kind of powers that are on kind of not quite human level but somewhere slightly above, well, you don't want a veritable god stepping into the middle of that and blowing everything up and immediately knowing everything is. But at the same time, when you have high-level power characters that are throwing giant fireballs or you know, teleporting everywhere across dimensions and planets and that. You tell different types of mystery stories if you want to follow that route. So it all depends on not just the genre, but the feel of that genre you want to go for. Definitely. Uh-huh. Definitely. Because, yeah, the power level is, is like, like, Gardevoir J said, it is one of the most defining elements in what you're going to start working from. Because... There was, um... There's a, actually a good example. While the two of you come heavily from comics, uh, most of my super stuff comes from watching cartoons. 
Mm. And there's an episode of the Bruce Tim universe, uh, DC universe stuff, where Batman's not available, but <laughs> Superman is. <laughs> and so Tim Drake, Robin, gets Superman to dress up as Batman and proceeds to have Batman's villains. I think in the episode it was Bane, the Penguin, and the Riddler. And the Mad Hatter. And they tried to fight Superman level powers as Batman. <laughs> and uh, the look on the face of Bane after Bane throws a giant, you know, multi-ton statue on Batman saying, it is over. And the statue starts to rise up. Yeah. It's like, okay, these might be different levels of power in this campaign. <laughs> right. And, and actually, that is exactly the, that point. Whereas you have, you have some that actually present themselves as street level. Even in, in current comics like Spider-Man. Spider-Man is always portrayed as a very street level, you know, he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I mean, that right there, the name alone says what it is. You know? But he is one of the strongest characters in the Marvel Universe. So, like, physically, if he punches somebody, he has to pull his punch so much every time he hits someone that only a fraction of his actual strength ever hits someone. Because he can kill everyone with a punch. Spidey has incredible strength. It's you know yeah. a ten ton press. That's that's how he's always been, and so it's far beyond the usual street level <laughs> power robbers that he's always stopping. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he has some of these other super villains, but like, I mean, let's let's get it for real. I mean, like somebody like Doc Ock, while his arms are amazing, the guy that's that's being held up by those arms is just an old guy. You hit him hard enough that he's going to literally have a hole in his chest. But <laughs> the great part, I think one of the secrets about superhero games and, and something you see in some of the TV shows and something that Noel was kind of alluding to when talking about that episode nighttime is that for all that they are flash, the substance of comic books and superheroes are as much about relationships. They are a soap opera. And there is internal conflict, there is romance, and there is an impetus inside of teams for stories to be told, which is you know, why we all do this, is to tell stories. The fights, the combat, that's one thing, but it's all coming from someplace. Uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey, Raven and Kid Flash, Sue and Ralph, Dibney... Demon in a Bottle story from Iron Man. These are all examples of, of relationships in superheroing kind of taking the forefront and driving some of the stories. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because they're, they're, they are soap operas. And I think they're kind of written, and this is going to sound kind of strange to say it this way, but it's almost like they wrote soap operas for 14-year-old boys mm-hmm. in the early days. Now they've gotten 
markedly better. But... Yeah, now they write them for 16-year-old boys, by and large. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They didn't this isn't much. a bad thing. It's not no. bad that it's a soap opera. That's the thing, is that this isn't a negative description. No, that it's they, actually a wonderful thing. Yeah, and what you can do when running this game is pay attention to how your characters interact. This is one of the places where NPCs become really important to drive the themes home, that we've talked about how to build themes in your settings. This is where you want to make sure that there's room to breathe in the game, especially in the middle of a fight, because especially comic books, oh, look, a hero's meeting another hero. What's going to happen? They are going to fight. Make sure they have time to role-play in the fight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's they, how that fight ends, because they realize they have a relationship as heroes. Yeah. With one well, another. And, I mean, think about this, where, like, I mean, you always have somebody like Spider-Man, who is constantly one-lining. Um, Deadpool's the same way. You know, but Deadpool also breaks the fourth wall when he's doing it. But, if that's, if that's part of that that is part of the relationship still between everything. I mean, not just the the characters, but also the world beyond them. Because, like, with Deadpool, I mean, he breaks that fourth wall, and he's interacting with the readers. And if that is something that's in as part of that that you want to do, you can do it. Deadpool's a late-to-the-show slacker for that. Right, but he's also the most common and the one that most people would recognize immediately. She-Hulk for the win. Well, yes. Showing my preferences here. <laughs> you'll, you'll get to have that when she has her own show. Next year? Yeah. Oh, if they don't do it right, you better believe that we're going to have a whole episode where it's going to be me complaining about how they have not stayed true to Shulky's character and have missed the entire point. Well, and we'll see how they do Moon Knight, too, because that may be another one. Oh, yeah, but Moon Knight is so many different versions that no. it's no. easy to pick and choose between them. No. There are There's, multiple Moon Knight versions. There is a Moon Knight version. That depends on which personality you ask. Nope. If, if you've read any of the new stuff, then you know that's nope. Join us on Discord <laughs> if you would like to vote on which Moon Knight version you think is the real version. Challenge number two for those listening along yeah. at home. Get on Discord or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or do we have anything else? There's a Pinterest, I think? There is a Pinterest. I actually just saw it the other today. Or a also, Tumblr. And get on there and add a picture of your one true moon night that cannot be the picture that was just posted by the person before you. And we're going to see how many different one true moon nights we can get to have a discussion with Zen on one of our Patreon chats all about moon night. Oh, we, we can do that. I will totally do that. So, but, so you have all of these amazing relationships between supers that are very soap opera Now, but the most important relationship is that villain, that very compelling villain that they all which, have. Which, if you haven't, 
you should go back and listen to episode 82, where we spend a lot of time talking about compelling villains and villaining 101. Go, listen, I commend unto you. You may return when you are finished. We're waiting. Hold on. And you're okay. Okay. So. <laughs> having that kind of villainous nemesis, having an arch villain, is the cornerstone of a lot of superhero stories. When we look back at superheroics as being modern mythology, as being the inheritors of those mythological treatises, you need an opposition. You need a demon, a god of the underworld. You need something that is the equal and opposite of your heroes. And yeah. so put the time into designing that compelling villain because that relationship, the relationship between Professor X and Magneto is more important than the relationship between Professor X and Hank. Just, it is. The, yeah. the relationship between Cap and the Red Skull, Captain America and the Red Skull, between Superman and Lex Luthor, those are the interactions that spark memes, that spark Spark cultural moments, and you want to think through that villain and their uh, origin, their motivation. Remember to do a little bit of that breaking the rules, especially so they can get away and be a recurring villain, unless you want to make it a point of having what looks like the arch villain be absolutely easily defeated in the first session and the hero's not knowing what to do. That's a whole possibility. Right. And also oh, the subject a of a different show. I was going to say, isn't there, I, I vaguely remember that there was something like that where basically they kill the villain, like the supers kill a villain in like the very, very beginning, and it's the fallout of that. And I can't remember where it was from, but I do, I remember that being a thing where that has happened before, where like a superhero team just annihilates a villain. And he's just dead. Like, they leave him dead. Isn't there a... Well, no. It's too soon. Spoilers. Can't say it. Okay. Yep, stop. Um, But this kind of brings around to, you know, for me, the fourth big pillar of designing your superhero game is scaling your realism. Mm -hmm. Because you can tell a nigh-infinite number of stories and styles through superheroics. As you scale your power level, the kind of show or kind of story you can tell changes. Scale your realism with it. Now, when I say realism, I'm not just talking about the physics of the situation. This isn't just, you know, how would someone really interact with running at superhuman speed. This is about the rest of the world. Uh, Vigilante laws. Vigilante laws would not seem terribly important if we're talking about PCs that are flying energy-blasting tanks all at once. It just doesn't add up. How easy it is to get superhero insurance. That's going to be a realism question for your setting and your campaign, which feeds into those relationships, which feeds into how the world interacts with those compelling villains. So you can see how this kind of comes together with four different components interacting with each other. What I like to think about for realism for me is do I want to have fun in this world or do I want to be afraid of this world? Yeah, because if you're having fun, then you're much closer to... And here's another one also. I I just thought of this. 
as a potential fifth is because it's not just the scale of realism, but also, and it might actually might fall into this, but it's the four color versus mm-hmm. non four color. And oh. I think that's something we can go into in another show where we talk about the underpinnings of a superhero universe. Yeah, because it's not quite any of these, but it plays into all of them. I, I think that's one style. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's the type of thing where we can look at the four pillars and see how does the four-color version fit into each of them type of thing. Yeah. Actually, yes. If you would like to hear us design a Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, four-color, and Modern Age campaign around these superhero topics, let us know. Drop us a line on Facebook at Seize the GM or the Facebook group where it's facebook.com slash group slash Seize the GM. Find us on Twitter where you can find all of our different handles. Instagram, which I should use more often, but I don't. Or drop us a few bones in Patreon. Go to the website and join our Discord. Chat with us and have some fun and let us know how you would design a superheroic campaign. Let us know if you'd like the phrase uh, superheroic palooza. <laughs> Superhero Apalooza is awesome. Uh, and the one last thing I'll say on our main topic. Card catalog, weekly write-ups of characters. There have been two superhero sets. One is distinctly 90s in its style. You may know that, notice this because the name of the team is Nightblade. And it was built with the Marvel face rip system. And the other, with a bit more modern sensibility from Mutants and Masterminds, is the Argonauts. You can find the links in the doodly-doo. You can go to the website and search for superheroes and take a read and see some of the designs that have been done here. Yes, indeed. But, I think that's, we've got, so we've got a couple of new potential topics that we might do another show on. So, until then, we're going to go ahead and close this out and roll on to our next topic. And now we enter Stat Blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. One, two, three, nine, eight. I guess I'll go. Coragiosco Bay. Uh, Sometimes a city will take on a life of its own. New York, Los Angeles, Boise. They all have their unique aspects and personality. It was, maybe, inevitable that Coragiosco Bay would find its feet like the other urban luminaries of our age. The striking vista of the city perched on the edge of a peninsula with the bluff faces raising sharply behind it, the metal and glass glittering in the sun while the cool blue water frames it all has been seen on more postcards than you can count. Urban legends being what they are, everyone expected a curse or great evil to befall the city, but the worst thing that the citizens have to face is fallout from Praetorians' fights, a far more reasonable insurance rate than the Big Apples, and the occasional tidal wave. What is the most surprising is how easily the docks seem to never be more than ten minutes away. It doesn't matter what traffic is like or the weather. The docks and some empty warehouses are within a short roller skate ride no matter where you seem to be. That, though, doesn't really matter as a new day dawns in Corrigiosco Bay, and nothing could possibly go wrong. But you do have to ask yourself, how did you get here? 
And when did you manage to wake up wearing a headband and neon fingerless gloves? And why is there synth pop in the cassette player? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Fine. Yeah, there was almost a talking heads joke that was going to be put in the end there, and I just, like, I, I stopped myself. Do it. <laughs> I, I refrained. No, no, it's there. It's absolutely there, but it's like, it's like a whip. It's like a, I can smell the joke right there. It's, it's just, just on the tip of my senses. Yeah. Okay. The flash of blue lightning streaked across the street. And it stopped. And standing there was a young lady wearing a blue speed suit with an arc of lightning on her chest. The edges of her wounds were closing in a rate that was inhuman. She grasped the light pole and swung herself up the pole, and the flash of lightning as she disappeared, and the arc of lightning shot up into the wire, running out of the pole into the city. A fraction of a second later, she exploded out of the phone line on the far side of town. As she came into regular time, the rest of her team stepped out of the space fold that Jumper used to teleport to once again, she thought to herself, I am alone. This is getting to be a regular thing. I don't like it. Not one bit. The group known as the Justifiers, Justifiers had arrived to stop this next incursion of the Titans. Not the kids that have that name. No, no, these are the aliens from the movie we call Titans. Once again, we have to stop them. None of this would even be an issue if Jumper hadn't found that damn secret base of his. Normally it wouldn't be a big deal, but this is a combat ship that got marooned here from Titan, which, you know, that makes for a slightly different story. I'm not sure how I can help to stop this. Just a speedster. I mean, fast. Not flash fast, but still fast. And I can do things he can't do. Thanks, Cadmus Labs, for, as they called it, fixing my genetic properties. Maybe I can help in a different city. This one's just starting to get way too crowded. Ooh, I may recruit you to do some future <laughs> card catalog writing. I decide to do another set of supers soon. Yeah. Oh, I've got the justifiers. I mean, this yeah. the justifiers were actually my DC games. This is my wife's character. And Jumper was mine. So. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm no, I've been spending too much time world building. I haven't been able to get out of my world yet. <laughs> you should make superheroes in the world. I think they're are, called something else. I, I already already have like kind of my Voltron kind of rip off going around. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, since you don't have anything, we've just gotten ours done. Let's go ahead and flip on into our next segment. Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. Okay. 
Are we ready? Yep. The word is thing. I know what this one is. <laughs> I know what do? this one is. Alright, go. Yes. First crack. Go. It's a really big bird. It likes to stand in the water, hold one leg up, kind of like, you know, look around. That's great. Dang it. <laughs> Close. 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 It was close. I mean, Thanes are usually thought of as cowardly Scottish power-hungry fools who don't follow the best advice. The most famous of the Scottish Thanes, of course, being, yeah, Macbeth. So. There's actually two entries for things. Ah. There is a noun, which is a free retainer of an Anglo-Saxon lord. Or uh, a Scottish feudal lord. Mm-hmm. And they usually dealt with plumbing military service for the king. So, that's that. The second is actually a geographical thing. And it is a town in western India, uh, north, northeast of Mumbai, with a population of 1.8 million people. Whew. Yeah. That is not insignificant. No. And I did not know that. Ha! Ah, I got something! <laughs> I, I am not up on my Indian geography. Clearly, I need to get a map out and start studying. Now I'm kind of curious where uh, the name for their town came from. It does not say, but the first known use of the the noun is before the 12th century. Yeah. So, And the lookup popularity is in the bottom 50% of words. So, yeah. So that was that was fun to, to kind of get a, a little go at, at something that I was not even aware of the second one. I see. Now I'm getting like Shakespeare issues stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, you, you may get like an extended bunch of Shakespearean-based closing remark recommendations from me. <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of. <laughs> All right, Zen. What do you have to close us out? Okay. So I just listened to recently, like the last book that I listened to was The Strain, which is by uh, Del Toro and Chuck Hogan. And if you want a very, I'm not going to, I didn't find out that it was a TV show until I was like, only had like an hour left of the book to listen to. So, I didn't realize that it was a show. Read the book. The book is and then really, watch really the show. Good, if you want to. Um, and there's, it's a trilogy of books, so I'm actually going to finish out the trilogy as they become available from my library. So, that is... I All I'm going to say is it took a very interesting twist on a very old concept. And I like how they did it. I mean, it's Del Toro, so... (laughs) 
he is notoriously good for things like that. So, yes, it's very, very fun and, and very good. So you should definitely check it out. So, no, what do you got? I actually do have something, because I'm going to admit I didn't have something at the beginning of the episode. But one of our pillars, uh, scale of your realism, reminded me of a site I used to read a lot a couple years ago. They haven't really updated a lot recently, but Law and the the Multiverse. They also have a book. Yes, The Law of Superheroes. Yes. It is a very neat view of legalities or how legalities of our world might be reflected in these superheroic worlds. And it's it's good to kind of peruse through it, just to kind of get an idea of what you want for your world, how realistically you want it, or how much you kind of want to kind of skim real world kind of laws. But it's a lot of fun. Well, and this is one of those books where it is fun, but it's also... You know, written by two lawyers, by people who grew up loving comic books who happen to be lawyers. And it's really fantastic. And I have a copy of it, of the book, and have been reading the website and may have the book autographed. Uh, I actually think you might have uh, been the one who originally pointed me out to the website. Sweet. This is possible. Well, I'm going to, you know, keep in the same vein because what I'm going to recommend is The Science of Superheroes, which is a book that kind of takes that realism that I talked about and turns it to the nth degree and says, well, what would really happen? What does science that we know of say if you were the Flash and running at the speeds the Flash runs? If Bruce Banner was actually hit by a gamma bomb, what happens? Uh, there's a whole little section of my bookshelf here that includes these sorts of books, and The Science of Superheroes is, I think, one of the best. You should. You would enjoy it. It, it very much is something you would greatly enjoy. Yeah, I think I, I've read something similar to that uh, years ago, and I can't remember what it was, but yeah, it's like yeah, if you were to actually have some of the things that have happened to superheroes, like <laughs> the, the real world like effects of it would just be horrible. So I know XKCD covered it a few times. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's there, there, there's also the physics of superheroes, which is one that's. Also good, not as good. There's also, I, I know there's a book, I think you've mentioned it before, Zen, of, you know, like full-page uh, descriptions of different injuries and what superheroing would have done to the bodies of the heroes. Or that may have been a Jules thing. That might have been a Jules thing. But I'm pretty sure we've discussed it on the ep- on the podcast. Yeah. Which means, challenge number three, for all those of you listening along at home. Find the answer in our archives and send it to Zen, and I will personally send you a prize. Because <laughs> you already obligated me to two prizes now. Well, so I'm obligating myself to the third. I, oh, I will okay. set the prize. Okay. <laughs> Nicely. Nicely done. Okay. Well... I think that just about wraps us up for this episode. Now, you know what I'm going to say before we get to it. 
But so you can go ahead and skip forward about 15 to 30 seconds if you want. But find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, our Facebook group, Tumblr, as well as our individual Twitters, Instagrams, and Facebook pages. Like us along Patreon to set us a few dollars. Join us on Discord and chat and enjoy the time that we have to share with you. Indeed. So, what? until next time, roll some dice. Have fun. Excelsior! You can contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seize the GM.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash seize the GM podcast. And we thank you. joining us for this episode of CCGM. Feel free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage www.seizethegm.com Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended, and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.